Hello to everybody who's listening to this episode today. Thank you for being here. Today we talked to Amber Haddad, who is one of my best friends. I know Amber through a mutual friend, April, who went to graduate school with Esty and I. I met Amber after, well, I really connected with Amber, I should say, after graduate school when we took a trip to Asia together with other friends. Um, and my initial impression of Amber was just that she was so easy to talk to. She made me laugh so hard, you know, peeing my pants type laughter. And she tells stories that are so captivating and she's just extremely fun to talk to. Um, and then we quickly became best friends because she was such a supportive person. She's so open. She loves learning. She loves imparting her wisdom upon others. She loves you know, treating people with kindness. And she's, she's, she's just a very, she's her own person, you know, she's Amber and I adore her so much. Um, Amber has been there for me through thick and thin, that's for sure. And I've been really honored to be by her side for the past few years as well. So today she talks about one of her passions, which is HR and employee engagement. I found this episode extremely interesting And I think everyone will as well, because it really makes you reflect on your own current employment situation. And you can kind of assess yourself to see whether or not you're engaged in your workplace, or whether it might be time for a career pivot or, you know, just a shift, a shift in companies or a shift in roles. Um, I really hope that everyone who listens to this episode feels empowered to make work a very engaging, successful, motivating place that you want to go to every day. And without further ado, let's hear from Amber. Hi, Amber. We're so happy to have you. Um, I've always really admired you and loved listening to you, to you talk. So I'm so excited for our listeners to get a little taste of Amber Haddad. Um, so can you start by just telling us a little bit about yourself and kind of, you know, like your work experience thus far in your life and what you're currently doing and what you're going to talk about with us today? Yes. Thanks, Izzy and Esty. So happy to be here. Um, so my work experience started about uh, six years ago with my dad, I started working, um, my senior year of college for the family business. He owns gas stations and apartment buildings in, uh, both San Bernardino counties and San Diego counties. And I, uh, basically started just in the office, kind of like filing, um, getting kind of more of an understanding of like how the business runs and uh, while I was finishing up my senior year of college, I that's when I um, got more of an interest in the field of human resources. And I just saw, saw a lot of opportunity um, in the family business to improve our human resources um, department uh, and implement things like company handbooks and safety procedures, things like that. So that was like just kind of like a dive right into being an HR manager and director. And I had no experience like managing people before. And so, yeah, I was just really like jumping in and like figuring out how it works. And I was, you know, much younger and inexperienced (laughs) compared to the people I was, I was managing Um, at the time, I guess I was 21. And a lot of the managers had been working for my dad for like, you know, 20 plus years, but um, I managed to, I feel like help the company, like establish like more safety um, in regards to like 
psychological safety and like physical safety in the store. So I was pretty happy with that. Um, and I did that and took on more responsibilities as I went on for, yeah, six years. And um, when the COVID-19 pandemic started, um, that was obviously a very scary time for everyone. Um, you know, with our businesses, we have essential workers. So we are, everyone stayed working and we kept going into the office and it was just, yeah, a, a lot to figure out um, and dive in at first yes, with little to no guidance from the federal government or, um, you know, health, um, health and services and county departments, things like that. Um, but it was a learning experience for sure. And just, you know, we came out of it at doing quite well as, as a business. And that was just a testament to, I think, our employees and um, just keeping everything together, you know, through all of that. Um, so that was great to see. But also, I think the pandemic just kind of brought to light um, just that I wasn't really like feeling fulfilled in, in that role anymore. Like the gas station, you know, oil and gas industry in general, like really isn't aligned with like my core values. Um, you know, I'm really grateful for the opportunity to have like jumped right in out of college um, and had that instant um, job security and just being able to go right into management rather than like starting at an entry position. So, um, and yeah, learned so much had so many great experiences with our, our employees um and it but i just knew like it, it wasn't something that was going to be sustainable for me because I, I also just had no work-life balance like you know it was basically just the business owner entrepreneur life that i didn't really want um it was that's you know my dad's calling and that's what he likes but it just didn't um feel good in my body, I guess, in my soul. And, um, you know, Izzy, Izzy was there with me through it all. And she saw like how hard it was on me and how like through the pandemic, like seeing people like working from home and like getting more actually like maybe more work-life balance out of their jobs. And I kind of was getting less and it just, um, I guess got me to the point where I just, maybe it expedited what was already going to happen where I was just like, okay, I think, I think I need to reassess like what I'm doing with my career here. Um, and also just my relationship with my dad being my boss was just like very <laughs> difficult and complex. And, um, I, I just came to the conclusion, like he can be my dad or he can be my boss, but he can't be both. <laughs> and yeah, so I, I told him that I was going to be leaving to work for a new company and that news didn't land super well with him. And, um, it, at first he, he just ignored it and then it turned into anger and then sadness. And I wasn't expecting that last <laughs> emotion, um, to come from him, but, um, yeah, it, it kind of just was something that I, I, I guess it solidified that I, I did the right thing because, while he was going through all of those emotions, like I, I didn't waver and I just, I, I just felt like more affirmed and then proud of myself for, I guess, standing up for myself and like what I was kind of feeling. Um, 
yeah, because I just, I, I wasn't feeling motivated. I was, I guess, um, just kind of languishing in that role. And I just felt like I could do more and there was more for me to learn um, in the business world and, and the field of HR. And so um, Izzy actually forwarded me a um, email for a company called Layla Martin that was hiring at like the exact time, like it, it all seemed very aligned that I was looking for a job uh, of business manager. Um, and initially it was part-time. Um, so, and I was willing to do that. So I kind of initially balanced it with my other job before telling my dad. And then um, it got to the point where I was taking on more responsibilities. And when I wanted to move to full-time, that's when 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 I gave him that news. And that's the job I'm currently at now. I started um, March, uh, oh no, April of last year. Um, so next April will be two years. And it's been really good. I've, I've, uh, I've been able to work remote, which has been super nice. Like I love that flexibility. Um, earlier this year, we moved to a four day work week, which has been really great. And um, yeah, something all my friends are very jealous of. <laughs> and that's just been, yeah. So just the ability to be able to like set boundaries and work um, was something I never experienced before. And like my team is super amazing and it's a fully um, female identifying femme group of um, team members. And um, that's just been really amazing to work in that. Cause I feel like also before my dad's company was like kind of like hyper masculine culture. Like not everyone was ma uh, male identifying, but it just uh, that line of business just tends to be very like male dominated. And so it's just been like a complete, I guess, 180 shift to working uh, with this company, which is, oh, I don't actually think I mentioned, I gave an explanation of the company, but it's a uh, Tantra based coaching company that we sell um, online uh, coaching courses, utilizing um, the teachings of Tantra to um, teach other individuals to be sex, love, and relationship coaches. And we also sell subscriptions for individuals. And there's a few different um, pleasure programs, we call them, that are for sale. Um, and yeah, it's just really amazing. I've learned so much about Tantra itself. And I feel like I've gotten um, closer with Izzy on that. And just because I know that's a big love of hers and and she knows so much and I've learned so much from her as well um and yeah just working with other empowered women has been super inspirational and yeah just every people that have aligned values with mine and a company that's like really doing so much good um out in the world um helping women all over and female identifying women all over the country and over the world um you know, come into their own divine womanhood and, um, you know, work through some like deep sexual trauma and in some cases is it, really amazing. And, and it's been uh, just, I, I feel very lucky to have found this job at the time that I did. Although <laughs> I am now getting to the point where I feel like I need to move on. Um, I think I have kind of plateaued in that job. Um, and when, whenever I think when this, by the time this podcast airs, I will have told my boss <laughs> that this is what I'm planning to do. I haven't yet. <laughs> I will next week though. So, um, but yeah, so that, that's kind of the next step for me is 
um, navigating my career web. I know you both talked about your career paths and that's something that they talked about at, at the um, HR conference I went to a few weeks ago, it was called Thrive, um, that the modern day career path is more like a web rather than a ladder like we're used to. You know, you're not just staying at one company and working away from the bottom up. Like you might go into a different industry or you might, you know, dabble and do like a lateral move, something like that. So next for me, I would like to specialize more in like employee engagement, um, productivity, retention, um, employee wellness, something like that. Maybe a bit aspirational, <laughs> um, but that's that's kind of my goal. And um, so that's where I'm at right now and why I have a, a vested interest in the topic we're going to talk about. <laughs> Just hearing that story, you know, it, it takes me back to going through that as your friend. Um, and, you know, I was always so proud of you in your role that you were playing at your dad's company um, and you were implementing new strategies and things as you were saying. And that was so cool. But then just to see you kind of go on this self-love journey and do something that's aligning with your values, because you are somebody who has very strong values and morals and you're very ethical um, and you really care about people. So just to see you kind of evolve and take care of yourself and also now be in this role where you're you feel like you're supporting women around the world. It's, it's, it's been so awesome to see. And um, yeah, I'm just super proud of you. And I'm really excited to see what you do next. Cause I know you really care and it could, it would have been easy to just stay with your dad and stay at that and like do the grind and um, keep going with that. But you had your own dreams and you wanted to create your own path. So I'm just, I'm just like super in awe of you and proud of you. Um, yes. Yeah. It sounds like when you stepped away from what wasn't aligned to you, then you found this position that had more of the work-life balance that had more of the community. And like, and of course, like you both had said aligned with your values more. And I just love hearing stories of people doing that because it's inspiring because so many people are afraid to step away from what's comfortable and what they know. And they think it might be easier to stay with something that isn't completely fulfilling them, not knowing that there's always so many opportunities when we follow what's really for us, we'll always find that, you know, success with whatever that it, whether that's in a job, relationships, family, all of that. Right. Totally. And, and it can be scary, you know, and uncertain and that in between part is, you know, the messy middle, I guess, is never some place that feels comfortable, but I think you just, if you know, you're staying true to yourself, like the end result is, is going, is, is going to work out. Um, but you just have to kind of put a lot of trust into yourself and believe and, um, yeah, like look into all of like your connections and what really matters to you, I guess, at the end of the day and not wavering on that. So I guess for me, something that I'm really looking for in whatever my next job is, is along with values being aligned is um, HR mentorship. Like I, I really would love to like work with like an HR, uh, like senior level leader that I can directly learn from and like apply things um, into practice. So that's that, I guess those are 
kind of my unwavering values right now. And sometimes it just kind of takes time, I guess, doing something else to come to those realizations. Like, does it mean that it was a waste of time or, or energy or anything? It was just part of, you know, this career web and path that we are spinning <laughs> for ourselves. I feel validated hearing you talk about the career web because you're like an actual expert in this. And uh, to hear you validate that, um, you know, you don't have to climb the ladder anymore is just so empowering to me. Um, I think in all the dads out there need to hear this message. (laughs) My dad's listening. Okay, dad, things are changing. (laughs) Like things are different now and it's so empowering. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it was really great hearing that, um, at the conference, like so many different company, like every different panel I went to, they all were in agreement that, you know, there's been a shift and, you know, you can either come along with for the ride or stay stuck in your ways and fall behind, you know, cause yeah, it's the old way of work and, our connection to work has, has changed, I, I think forever. And I think it was probably coming, but the pandemic definitely sped it up for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, definitely. I can see that. Um, you mentioned a while back employee engagement. And um, I know, like, I don't know a lot about what all of that entails, but I do know that employee wellness has really been part of that shift of that focus on companies. Could you speak a little bit more to that about what employee engagement really means? Yeah, absolutely. Um, So probably the standard definition for employee engagement is the emotional emotional commitment an employee has to an organization and its goals. And this can sometimes, I think, get confused with like, employee happiness or employee satisfaction, but those are kind of more surface level indicators of um, individual's connection to work um, because engagement's uh, a bit deeper than that. There's, I would say, four main drivers of engagement in a company or organization, Um, your work experience, your leadership, manage manager manager relationship and your coworkers. Um, and I can get into those drivers like in more detail a bit later, but I, I think that an engaged workforce creates a thriving work environment. Um, and that should be really the goal for every employee and organization. And like you said, um, wellness is huge and has become so huge, um, post pandemic. I mean, it should have also been a big focus before, but I think uh, with mental health crisis that we sh- we're seeing like globally, like it it really got to the point where the onus was on companies to confront like, hey, you you need to think about your employees as a whole person rather than just a resource to u- utilize. You know, even the term human resources, like. Well, humans aren't resources, right? Um, so it's it's more, um, you, yeah, like like I was saying, using looking at your employees as their whole being and and not just for productivity and the end results and the goals. So um, 
yeah, the the engagement um, just uh, encompasses all of the employee experience. And um, when employees are disengaged, it ends up like affecting the company's bottom line at the end of the day. And yeah, I think that's something that that gets overlooked sometimes um, by companies because they're just thinking about profits, 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 and not really like, but where are our employees at? Um, and like getting a baseline reading of that. So I actually have a, a good friend who I'm hoping is going to come on the podcast eventually, but she just had an experience where it's a company she's been at for, I think, five years. And they were really treating her like, like you said, like not like a whole human and kind of focusing on like profits. Whereas she wanted to step into a leadership position and in applying for that position, she was really focusing on, you know, how she was going to help develop the team members and really focused on the people. And they were asking about the profits and she realized it wasn't a company she wanted to continue working for. And she left and she got a better position with better pay. And I do think companies, if they're still operating in that prior method or strategy, are going to lose a lot of really valuable people to companies that are stepping into that new way of managing. Is that the right word? Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And I'm glad that your friend was able to find a better fit and, and, be valued because that that's such a common story that we're seeing across the board. And a lot of um, companies like I think are starting to see the benefit, but it's it's still like a long road. And um, I, I think it takes some like big movers before like everyone will follow suit. Um, so it, it'll be interesting to see kind of how things go and like maybe three to four years time, you know, what overall job market looks is looking like. Um, Cause right now I think employees are, and workers are at a benefit um, and starting to realize that and step into their power and knowing their worth and demanding more <laughs> out, of, out of these organizations that, that have all the resources to support individuals and, they they've just been holding back um so so yeah it'll be interesting to see what's to come yeah I'm curious too I mean you I've seen those reels that are like Gen Z at an interview versus a millennial at an interview and like a Gen Z is like just putting themselves first in the interview you know and like what am I gonna get out of this so I that's like a humorous way of defining like how employees are expecting more from their companies, I think, and putting their wellness ahead of profits and climbing the ladder. So I'm also really curious, you know, just to see what happens. And I find just the whole pandemic so fascinating in terms of like how it's affected our society. And you touched on it a little bit, but um, is there anything more to say about how employee engagement has changed since the start of the pandemic? Yeah, totally. And you kind of touched on it. I would say like Gen Z has really led the charge <laughs> with this shift. Um, there's been like a kind of recent phenomenon called quiet quitting. I don't know if you've heard of that. It's apparently it's gone kind of viral on TikTok. Um, like people, I think, recording themselves um, at their jobs, just doing 
bare minimal tasks well enough that they don't get fired because I mean, that's really all you need to do in a job is exactly what's asked of you, right? Anything extra, you're not going to get paid more. Yeah. Maybe you'll get like a little like pizza party (laughs) or something at the end of the month. But for the most part, I mean, from what I've seen in my experience, and I think what, what tends to be true in most companies is that employers will recognize that you're you're putting in the extra effort, do it, taking on extra tasks, um, but just continue to pay you the same rate, right? Because you're you're not asking for more. Um, your job description hasn't changed and you're just kind of taking on more. And it's just kind of a way that I think um, Gen Z has sniffed out, like, you know, we're getting exploited as workers and I'm not going to do that. Um, I'm just going to do exactly what's asked of me. And that really should be the way it is. I mean, if they were super engaged and aligned with their company, you know, maybe they they would want to do it um, without the expectation or or maybe with the expectation of extra pay. But there are maybe instances where you just kind of want to do it to um, further your own growth or to learn more. But I think it, in most cases, um, these are companies that employees are seeing they're not investing into me. Um, you know, they're not seeing me as a whole person, like we talked about, and I'm just going to do exactly what's asked of me right now until I find the next thing. And that's kind of also lent itself to what we've seen over the past few years since the pandemic that's been called the great resignation. I don't know if you two have heard about that term. It's pretty buzzy, especially in the HR community. Um, and that was just a huge wave of disengaged employees voluntarily quitting their jobs. Um, it started around, I think, early 2021 um, in the wake of kind of after the initial shock of the pandemic and the fear and everyone was staying put in their jobs because there was a lot of uncertainty and people weren't sure like just what their job security would be like if they left their current company. But once that initial uh, fear passed, um, there was kind of, I would say, an awakening um, where employees were really, yeah, looking at what mattered to them and just reassessing kind of what they wanted to do next. And I I would be included in the great resignation um, because I I had that realization and, and decided to switch up my career. And some of the most cited reasons for people resigning. Um, I'm pulling out a few stats here. <laughs> so I just wanted to have something to back up what I'm saying here. I think this is in order with um, the rising cost of living, um, low pay, limited opportunities for career advancement, hostile work environments, lack of benefits, inflexible remote work policies, and long-lasting job dissatisfaction. And it's it's funny to me because I think a lot of companies kind of had a knee-jerk reaction to um, the quiet quitting um, and thinking that, you know, oh, employees are disengaged at work and uninterested because we're giving them too much freedom with this remote work. Let's bring them back into the office. So kind of at the beginning of this year, you saw like a big wave of like large companies requiring people to go back in person or go from like fully remote to hybrid. And it's, I think 
just completely contrary to what what you know employees are wanting because for all the data is showing that employees just want flexibility like they they want the option maybe to go into work if that's what they prefer but they don't want to be forced into doing that and also i just think that stems from like a lack of trust um, that companies have in their employees to do their work and do it autonomously and not have to be watched, surveilled, micromanaged in an office, all these things. I also have other conspiracy theories about why the companies are bringing people back in, but we can get into that in a different podcast. <laughs> but I think um, that kind of was their, um, yeah, like I said, near knee-jerk reaction to try to quell the quiet quitting. Um was just kind of blame it on remote work and too much freedom, even though there isn't any data as of yet to support that that's actually what's leading to um, employees being disengaged. There's many other things <laughs> that that they could be addressing. Um, so yeah, and just generally over the pandemic, workers have become more empowered to demand more from their employers in order to stay engaged in their role. Um, organizations are expected to have diversity, equity, and inclusion and belonging um, programs in place and actively work on eliminating biases in their workplace. Um, and they're just, con they're confronted with accountability, right? Um, just when it comes to discrepancies in pay, discriminatory hiring practices, like everyone is keeping a watchful eye on these companies and asking, yeah, at the end of the day for accountability. And I would say transparency. Um, you know, if a company isn't diverse, there should be a communication um, from the company that, you know, this is something we're working on because um, that's something that's important to a lot of employees. And that creates like a level of safety um, that wouldn't be there if companies aren't forthcoming about where they are at with their diversity initiatives. Um, something else I feel like that's really um, shifted over the pandemic, uh, there's been a big surge in uh, union representation over the um, pandemic. Employees have started unionizing at joint giant corporations like Starbucks, Amazon, Apple. Um, another stat, union registration has increased by 57% over the last year, which is amazing and you know workers demanding higher pay better working conditions um you know fighting for what they rightfully deserve <laughs> to continue working and staying engaged with these companies um in the new year pay transparency is going to be legally mandated in several u.s states which is great um jobs having to post what their salary ranges are um, on job posting sites. So that's going to be huge and hopefully we'll eliminate more um, pay inequity um, between genders and um, different races of uh, employer, uh, employees. And um, there's also a promising movement towards more companies implementing a four-day work week permanently. I don't know if you've heard, there's been some successful test trials in the UK and Iceland um, that is catching the eye of other companies. So the U.S. is always pretty slow to move on um, wellness initiatives and support and uh, just more work-life balance for employees. But 
um, it's looking promising there. So yeah, there's, there's been a lot of, a lot of changes and, and the engagement, um, levels of employees over, over the past two years, it's all moved very fast and I'm hopeful it's, it's going to continue to, to get better. Um, there's good signs so far with, with these, these changes and just overall worker empowerment. Anytime you see workers getting to like step into their power and, um, for lack of a better term, like put capitalism on its knees, <laughs> great changes like this are going to happen and great shifts. So I'm cautiously optimistic. It's going to keep getting better. I love that. And I agree with you. I was kind of thinking about it as you were talking about it, but even though, like you said, the U.S. kind of takes a while to catch up to, you know, other countries that are taking a lot of really great steps. But overall, this shift really did happen very quickly. And it's, you know, I can identify a lot of things in my own life and my own jobs that I've been through over the past couple of years. And I'm sure, you know, most people can. So, yeah, it's it's exciting. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's anytime I see a little news flash about, you know, the, the next um, company that's implementing four day work week, you know, uh, big labor union wins. Like it's, it's always great to see. And, and it, it's happened um, quite a bit actually under the Biden administration. I think um, it's been, I mean, hasn't been perfect, but I, and I don't know the exact number, but there's been like a historic number of um, like labor union victories um, and like court labor union court decisions um, that have gone favorably for employees. So um, yeah, it's, I think this is like the, we're getting to the point where like workers are um, more empowered than they were like back in the sixties where like you know, they're very strong union presences. And yeah, so that's great because there was a point where it seemed like the union was, trade unions were kind of dead. Um, so yeah, ho hopefully that continues. Okay, so Amber, I have a question. How does one identify when they are actively engaged in their job or if they're disengaged? Are there warning signs to look out for? Yeah, totally. So um, I'm going to keep the stats coming. <laughs> there was a 2022 Gallup poll, which found that 85% of employees are not engaged in the workplace. So that means only 15% of employees currently are actively engaged, at least according to this poll. So just based on that, odds are most likely you're, you're not engaged. <laughs> but um, that doesn't mean that you can't be. And sometimes it's just, uh, to me, a matter of identifying, well, what engages you at work? So that kind of takes some career discovery um, and just kind of self-discovery as well. Um, and this is something that I've kind of um, gotten a lot of more information from this HR software site called 15.5. Um, it's currently what we're using um, at Layla Martin for our like check-ins, um, performance reviews, one-on-ones and things like that. And they have a software called Career Hub, which is really great. And I think actually use, using the Career Hub software is how I realized like, oh, 
I'm completely disengaged <laughs> in my job. And um, that with little, the, and there was little that I could do to change that. But I think when you dive into this kind of career discovery um, and looking at your getting some role clarity around what you're doing or what it is like you'd like to do, your strengths, your values, your passions, and your general overall career vision, it can be like a lot more clear. Um, you know, if you're working, like what can I, is there something, is there a way I can leverage um, these things so that I can use them more in my role and towards my growth? Um, so kind of the way that career hub like breaks down, um, your career discovery is it starts like with role clarity. So, um, I don't know if Izzy and Esty, if you want to like take notes, like if you want to do this for yourself <laughs> or I can always send you this later, but, um, if you want to follow along, um, there's yeah, for role clarity, you want to review like your job description, your responsibilities, um, add any missing responsibilities, projects, or tasks. And then for each of your uh, responsibilities, projects, and tasks that you have in your current job or your aspirational job, um, you can assess energizing levels for each item. So like on a scale of like not energizing at all, somewhat energizing, neutral, um, energizing, very energizing and just like go down the list of like literally everything you do in your job and give it a ranking. Um, I realized like as in my current job, when I did that, like just about everything was de-energizing and I'm like, oh, that makes sense why I'm so tired every day and I don't want to show up to work. Um, so things like that, um, I think can just kind of be eye-opening and it gets you like straight to the core of like, okay, so like these tasks are like what light me up these kind of drain me and unfortunately most jobs like you can't just always be doing things you love all the time like there are going to be those draining things but you can kind of like maybe tailor your workflow so that like you know maybe you're doing spreading those things out getting them out of the way early so you can really focus on like kind of more passion projects with your um like most productive time, which kind of varies depending on like people's energy levels throughout the day. Like for me, I, I'm like super energized in the morning and then I kind of fade out towards the end of the day, lower energy. So that's kind of more the time, like I'd want to spend on, um, things I'm really passionate about, um, towards the end of the day and then get the things out of the way when I already have a lot of energy. So it doesn't feel so draining if that makes sense. So just kind of, um, an example of how you can kind of like chart um, and map out what, what where you are with your current responsibilities. Um, next would be looking at your strengths. Um, so you can, and there's like strengths assessments online you can take if you want to like get kind of more specific or um, I guess empirical evidence, but you could also just list your strengths. <laughs> um, and this can include like strengths specifically for work or just your general strengths and descriptions, um, maybe narrow it down to like a top five and um, also list listing your values, passions and interests along with your strengths and um, adding like, I guess, notations on those values, passions and interests 
you want to incorporate into your role and like finding ways that you can utilize those in your projects or daily tasks, things like that, where possible. Um, and sometimes maybe your values can like already line up with like a company initiative or like a current goal, um, something like that. So um, it, I think it's just a good way to visualize what you have to offer and like what you're working on. Um, and then the last is your career vision. Um, and with this, basically it's just going to be like looking at everything you've already mapped out with your role clarity and your strengths, and then really, um, reflecting on your career goals and your like aspirational role. I think that's even something in career hub asks you to do is like name your aspirational job title and you can just make up like whatever it is you want to be. It doesn't even have to exist, <laughs> but like, what, what are you going to do to get to that? So maybe that'll be like trainings or continuing education. Um, uh, yeah. Mentorship, taking on new projects, um, taking a sabbatical time off work to relax, like all, all sorts of things that um, could kind of just go hand in hand with what you've already identified as your strengths, your passions, and what's, I guess, realistic for your role. Um, and I think that's a good starting point. Like once you look at that to know, like, because you, if you do all of that and you're like, oh, I feel like I'm in a good situation in my current job, then you could consider yourself engaged or maybe on the brink of engagement. But if you look at all that and just think, I, I don't think my career vision is aligned with like my current role and potential, um, I guess, forward movement or like advancement opportunities, then you could be disengaged and maybe it's it could be time for a career change or maybe like a career shifts, um, maybe like a restructuring, like within your organization, um, there's could be other options. Um, ideally if a company like wants to keep you and wants to keep you engaged, like voicing kind of how you're feeling, if you don't feel engaged in your role, um, hopefully management would like work with you to see like, well, maybe we can find a better fit for you rather than you ending up just leaving. So there, there are other options. I guess it starts with you to, yeah, have that self-discovery and identifying what it is you need. And then hopefully feeling empowered enough, um, in your job to voice it to management and hopefully it's, it's received well so that you wouldn't have to, to change. Cause, um, yeah, like for myself, I, I would love to stay in my current role, but I just, see there's just um financial limit limitations to um how much the company is going to be able to support kind of like my goals and yeah just we're not growing at that rate like where we're going to have enough employees to justify like having two HR people I would love to have a teammate <laughs> in my department right now I'm an HR team of one so for me that's that's um part of my career vision is, is more collaboration. Um, cause right now, yeah, it's just kind of lonely work. <laughs> so, yeah, I have so many thoughts. Um, I first just want to say these tools are so empowering and I thank you so much for sharing them and your work is so important, Amber, because 
like work is such a big part of everyone's lives. And I think most Americans just don't aren't engaged in their job and they are like chronically tired like you were saying like just doing de-energizing tasks and they're stuck in this mindset of like well I have to do this and there's nothing I can do about it you know and so like I think what you're bringing to the table and how you're like expanding people's minds is so important so people know that like anything's possible like whether that be, you know, change in your roles or you're changing in your, your career entirely or whatever it is, it's like, it is possible. And I just, I want as many people to feel empowered to know that because I like, it like breaks my heart thinking of people going to work every day and they've been doing the same job for 20 years and they feel just like numb and lifeless and they hate it. <laughs> like that breaks my heart. So I just really find what you're doing so fascinating and so important. Um, and I really like that this tool is something that like it, it lets, allows people to watch out for themselves. Cause I was thinking, I was thinking of you and I was like, yeah, who, who's like the HR for Amber? Like who's watching out for Amber, you know, like, and especially being a team of one, it's like, you kind of have to like be your own, like, I don't know the word I'm looking for, but you know, like you kind of have to like take that upon yourself. So I think tools like this are super cool. Thank you. Yeah, no, it's um something that I hope everyone at some point, if they're able to kind of does for themselves, like if they, I know, I also understand there's some instances where financially, you know, people aren't able to leave their jobs. So, or change careers. So they kind of are at a place where they feel like they can't shift like and that that's you know so real so um I don't want to discount that that is like a huge barrier for a lot of Americans especially that you know we don't have like the best social programs in place to support people like if they want to take a break from their job um you know having supplement like extended unemployment payments or um just yeah supplemental income in the transition period or you know a lot of people don't leave because they'll lose their their benefits and you know what happens in an emergency so i i think it it can be easier in in other countries where those there's more like solid social programs in place to su- support people um during the transition period so it doesn't feel like a desperate situation you know if someone quits and then can't find something or it ends up being lower pay so I hope as well just um as a country we can get to the point where we're more supportive of people all people trying to shift careers to something that is going to energize them rather than drain them and so they can feel connected to work because at the end of the day I mean that's going to keep the country running better. I mean, I think it benefits everyone as well. You know, an engaged workforce is a productive workforce and a profitable workforce. So if we can just get out of our own way, <laughs> I, th- I think it, it, it could be really great um, if people are just found roles better suited to their skills because everyone has different skills um, and it just can take some time um, to find what the right fit is. Yeah. We just need to like shuffle everyone around. Yes. And that was also a term for the great resignation, the great reshuffling. Sometimes it was just a shuffle to a different 
yeah, industry, different department, different, I guess, hierarchy. That that was another thing that I thought was interesting. And the um, panel is just empowerment sometimes means like standing up for yourself when you're happy in your current role and like not, you know, like, because I think a lot of companies sometimes will be like, oh, you're doing so well, let's promote you. And now you're a manager. But like that also can lead to someone being disengaged. You're like, wait, but I don't want to be a manager. I was happy in what I was was doing. So um, I think when you, yeah, really know what it is you want out of your um, connection to work, then y- y- you feel more empowered to say like, no, <laughs> if that doesn't feel right to you. But I think a lot of times, and again, financially that can, you know, come into play that like, oh, well, I do need more money. So I'll take this role. Um, Cause that's the only opportunity for me to get a raise in this company is if I, you know, take a management position. So it's um, yeah. Unfortunate that that can, that can happen sometimes. Yeah. You bring up really important points. Um, I'm thinking about just like how all of this really starts like at a young age, I mean, we have to choose our college major at 18. If you're somebody who goes to college or you choose an occupation at 18, if you join the workforce right away. So it's just like, I'm sure there's stuff out there and I'm sure some high schools do a really good job at it. But like, you know, if we could just kind of promote this type of thinking, like in education early on, like middle school, high school, to get kids thinking about like what would engage them, you know? And because I feel like, yeah, a lot of people just are like blindly choosing jobs for whatever reason, but not necessarily like finding the best fit for them, you know? So I bet there's just a lot that can be done early, early age. And then you should probably be reassessing yourself all the time because we're always changing. For sure. Yeah. It's unfortunate that it's been put on the individual to figure this out for themselves (laughs) rather than getting yeah more career support um in school and uh, yeah just at an earlier age um because I feel like that's something that just uh isn't addressed um at least not at the level that it should be um but I mean we can all play hot cross buns on the recorder right (laughs) oh my god but we don't know anything about navigating our careers (laughs) (laughs) I really wish that it was a little more normalized too that it's okay to make a career shift I think there's so much pressure especially when people are you know choosing their careers right out of high school or um, even like as young kids and we say like what do you want to be when you grow up Um, you know we're always changing our values are always changing so we might want to do this but then we might change our mind and and that's okay and I feel like for me you know, that I kind of had that mindset of I need to stick to something because that's how I'm going to be successful is if I get on one path really early and I, you know, take it all the way to the end. And that wasn't successful for me because if I'm unhappy in a job, I'm very, very much disengaged. I disengage very easily. Um, So yeah, I, I hope that that culture is changing as well of just it's okay to decide to try something different and try something new, even if you're, you know, 20 years into a career or, you know, you just finished a graduate degree and you realize it wasn't really for you. Like that's really hard because you don't want to waste all that time and all that money. 
but at the end of the day, like your happiness and your fulfillment is the most important thing. So. Right. Absolutely. And I think a lot of times, um, sometimes people will view a barrier to switching careers or like going into different industries, like, oh, well, I don't have, um, you know, this advanced degree or whatever, but, and, and a lot of times companies like will put on, you know, their job posting, like, you know, have this degree, have this many years of experience, but they're always describing like what we call like a unicorn. (laughs) And like that person just doesn't really exist. And so I, I would encourage anyone that is thinking of shifting career, like, you know, not viewing it as a complete barrier to applying, like it doesn't hurt to apply. You know, I I think a lot of times, like most organizations are looking for, yeah, more of your skill set, your fit with the company, like aligned values and um, yeah, everything else can, I feel like be taught. Um, So that that's something I think that can maybe be a little scary for people as well. Um, when there's all these requirements of a job and maybe you're coming from a completely different field, but I think it, yeah, it, it goes a long way also to just like reach out to like, a like if you can manage to get a hold of like a hiring director and just like making that connection um, and explaining like why you would be a good fit for the role, just because based on like your applied skills and things. Cause I think there is a lot of crossover um, with so many roles, you know, like, and potentially like untapped talent of, you know, people just thinking they're, they're stuck in one field when they could be exploring another. Um, Cause who's truly, obviously there are some roles like, like SLPs, like where you're much more, you know, specialized and you have to have that degree, but there, there's also a lot where, I would say there's, there's wiggle room and they, they put the degree requirements as like more like a nice to have. Um, but at the end of the day, it, it's going to be based on like that person and they like what they can bring to a role and kind of their maybe vision for what they can do for the company and what they can bring to the table. So it's all about kind of like how you position yourself. Mm, Yeah. I love to hear that because I feel like I've heard over the past couple of years that maybe job, like jobs are moving away from such like rigid, like certifications or degrees and like more like allowing people to kind of like just take skills and um, apply them to the workplace. So especially with like how much you can learn online these days and everything, it's almost like school is a little obsolete. Like, like I was kind of saying in our episode with Judy, I, I would love to see just like, kind of like, instead of school and education and classes, like if it was just more of this grassroots, like you go in and you like learn in the office or in the workplace itself. I don't know if that's like even really like a viable thing, but like to just allow more of that and say like, like more mentorship programs, I guess. Um, cause I always feel like like I've tried to get into different sectors and I don't see a mentorship 
program like readily available online and I'll like try to reach out and ask if people are like open to something like that and just seems like at least for what I've tried like people have been a little bit hesitant in their response to me so I don't know I'd love to see more of that though because I think that's how we can have some like really great learning um as opposed to just like what you learn from curriculum that could be outdated or it could just not be as applicable to like real life situations and things like that but yeah, absolutely. Cause it's shifting so much. Like every, like what we're learning, like in a few years is going to be obsolete anyways. <laughs> so like why bother? And like, why not? Yeah. Like you're saying, like take on a mentorship with someone that's like in the field currently and learning directly from them. Like, yeah, I, I wish it was easier to, to make those connections. And there were just set mentorship programs out there. Um, I know there are for like more like trade fields, um, like you can like take on like for electricians and things, um, like apprenticeships, they call them. And, you know, that's great, but we need that at like every level of different careers. And I guess something, if someone isn't open to mentorship, at least you could get like, um, I think what it's called is like informational interview with them and, like if they could share some of their time and you could just kind of ask them kind of more like maybe how they got to that point in their career. Like if they have advice of ways to get a foot in the door and if there are like certifications or something that are absolutely necessary, like if like what they would advise and I think at least it's a way that you could get like more of an inside scoop from someone that's, um, you know, gotten to that point and you know, they've seen how the sausage is made type thing. <laughs> Cause like, I, I think someone that's actually in the company is going to give you a, or organization wh wherever you're um, trying to apply is going to have a better idea of, of what it looks like on the inside than whatever they're trying to present on their job posting. Um, because that's mostly bullshit. <laughs> and if, if you, you know, if it says, you know, like must work in a fast paced environment, um, things like that, you know, run for the hills. <laughs> you know, there's, there's also just some, I, I would say like red flags on, on those postings as well that can, I guess, weed out opportunities. So <laughs> you don't waste your time. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Your little nuggets of information are so helpful. I feel like people are really going to be able to take things from this episode and be like, okay, like I'm going to, you know, I'm going to do an informational interview or I'm going to look for this on a job posting. So thank you. <laughs> oh, of course. I hope so. I'm going to have to be doing it myself in the new year. <laughs> yeah. I job search, so I'll remember it as well. <laughs> oh yeah. We'll keep all of our listeners posted on what you do next because I can't wait, you know, I'm super yeah. excited. So what can organizations do to foster better connections with their employees? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, again, I'm going to sound like a broken record, but, um, that con conference I went to had a great, um, segment about this and how employee or organizations can in increase employee engagement and create thriving cultures. And so they, I had like a little um, handout from them that breaks down like what the drivers of engagement are as they call them. And I had mentioned them earlier. And so I'll just go through them quickly. That's work experience, leadership, manager, and coworkers. 
um, and work experience, or they all kind of have sub drivers within each driver category. So under work ex experience, um, that includes the work environment and organizational culture. And sub drivers include autonomy. So that would be like, are you able to do your work without being micromanaged capacity? Are you being overloaded with too many tasks and projects, things like that? Goal support, are the goals set between you and your manager reasonable and attainable? Do you have support, like if deadlines needed to be shifted um, or goals needed to be adjusted? Um, there's meaning, do you, like, do you find your work meaningful and impactful? Professional development, does your work provide opportunities for professional growth and continuing education experiences, purpose, do you feel connected and aligned with the company's values? Rest, um, for example, would you have a healthy work-life balance? Can you fully disconnect from work during your days off and take time off without feeling overwhelmed when you return? Um, a way for a company to do this would be like if you're off on PTO, have someone cover your inbox or you know cover some of your tasks so that when you come back, you're not feeling so overwhelmed. That's a quick fix if they have the resources. Um, role clarity are the expectations and responsibilities of your role clearly defined. And the last one is utilization. So are you feeling that your skills are being properly, properly utilized? So are you underutilized? Are you overutilized to the point where you feel like you're being maybe being exploited? Um, so that's work experience. That's kind of was a lot <laughs> all in that category. But I think that is kind of the, like, I guess if you're looking at it as like a pyramid, like kind of like your Maslow's hierarchy of needs, but like for engagement, that's probably at the bottom, I would say. Um, and then next goes uh, leadership. And this is like top level leadership, like the high, higher ups of the company. Um, and sub drivers of that would be leadership availability, are there regular opportunities to meet with leadership or do you have opportunity opportunities for your opinions to be heard? Um, there's leadership integrity. Are top leaders following ethical business practices? And then also fairness. And that would kind of be, like, is a company equitable when it comes to hiring salary disciplinary actions? Is it the same across the board? No, you know, not being discriminatory. And then um, the next would be your manager. And um, a lot of um, data out there polls that um, a lot of people's number one reason for leaving a company is their manager and not having a good relationship with their manager. So like this one is really important. Managers can really make or break a company. Um, unfortunately, <laughs> I think there's like too much probably emphasis that goes into this part, but it is important. Um, so feedback um, would be a sub driver with managers. Is there like an established open line of communication for feedback between managers and direct reports, not only to receive feedback, but to give it back to your manager without the worry of um, retaliation? Um, and when it comes to management, is your manager actually qualified to be a manager? Do they have the tools they need to be successful in a role? Sometimes, you know, you can't even really blame the manager for not being good in their role because they might've been thrust into that position 
and they shouldn't have been, you know, maybe it was just, there was no one else. Um, this person was willing to take the lower salary. So they gave it to them. So kind of, um, assessing your manager and why they maybe are in their position. And that gives you kind of a better understanding of your relationship with them. And a really big one, psychological safety. And I'll, I'll get the little definition for this from, uh, it was a Harvard organizational behavioral scientist um, with the last name Edmondson. They, they coined this term and they described psychological safety as the shared belief that your environment is safe for interpersonal risk-taking. So I feel like that's just really important um, in the manager-direct report relationship because you want to feel like you have enough trust and I guess authority and support from your manager to yeah voice an opinion that maybe is going to feel risky or suggest a project that is contrary to what they said or um you know maybe challenge them on a deadline or um a goal that they're setting so um just understanding that if you're going to be speaking to your manager in this way that um, it's going to be received in a way that isn't going to be used against you um, and will be heard and understood and um, considered at the end of the day, because you don't want to feel like you're just giving all this energy and information out there and then it's not um, taken into consideration at least. Um, so that's the big a big one. And then the last part would be the rela working relationship with your coworkers. And that includes your shared values. Are your core values aligned with your coworkers? Um, you would hope they would be aligned with your coworkers as well as the company. And then your coworker relationships. So are you able to communicate and collaborate effectively with your team? So I think companies just really need to like go through like literally each of these drivers and like put themselves in, you know, the, the shoes of an average employee and like, do they really feel like all of these needs are being met in all of these areas? And I think for most companies, it'll be no, right. Cause it is a pretty exhaustive list and to keep all of these at the level that they need to be to keep people engaged. Like it takes continued practice and changes and effort. And I think um, a lot of companies are are trying and that's good. But um, I think in, in some ways where maybe they are strong in other areas, they'll falter. Like for my company, for example, like I feel like I do, I am able to get great rest because I have my four day work week. So that's great. I have an extra day to myself, but that's, that's not enough, right. To make up for these other drivers that are kind of lacking, like for myself, like the professional development is a big one that's, that's missing. So they all kind of, um, I would say have maybe different weight to them, depending on kind of what you feel or people feel personally, or maybe organizations value per, um, as a whole. So, um, that's kind of my recommendation <laughs> for an organization. I'm, you know, not really an expert, um, not a consultant or anything, but in my eyes, I think 
more companies should take a deep look at all of these things because um, they are important to employees at the end of the day and will drive engagement and keep um, keep people around, you know, for the long run. Yeah, super important. I, yeah, I really hope companies do take that, that time and that effort to make the workplace an engaging place, you know, so important. Um, I do have one more HR related question before we move on. And this just comes from me talking to a 60 year old and a 70 year old in the past like month who are trying to get jobs and they have been turned down by every place they've tried. And, um, I just, you know, the issue of age discrimination, it just is so infuriating to me because it's like somebody could look at that person's resume and even if they had their own business or they, you know, like did all the, had all these great accomplishments, they're just not looked at because of their age. Um, I don't know my question. I just know that that's something in the past, I guess. Okay. So talking about like the career web versus the ladder, it's like, if we're not even climbing a ladder anymore and you don't want somebody to be there for 45 years, then why does it matter if they're 60 or 65 or 70, you know? Right. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I mean, I think that it's all these companies losses at the end of the day, you know, when you look at um, workers from their generation, I mean, they have the most experience, right? Like they're kind of in a rarefied field. Like it's a shrinking um, employee sector, um, like the boomers, um, you know, they're, that's also part of why I think we've seen like this shift in um, kind of with resignations is a lot of boomers are um, just retiring earlier. And um, so there's less and less of that experience out in the job market. So I would view someone with that kind of experience as a great asset um, to a company. And I think it could take maybe just having to identify which companies are are valuing that right and maybe that goes to specialized like specialist recruiters that kind of know the ins and outs of the job market of like you know these um companies um you know they they're looking for veteran like veteran hires or specialist jobs that focus on these skills so um just focusing on i guess opportunities that highlight their skills and focus on skills rather than kind of um i i guess I, i'm not sure what kind of jobs they've been applying to but i feel like there there is a lot of like these startups um and things like that that are wanting yeah this fast paced environment go 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 and I wouldn't really be surprised if like, if they applied somewhere like that and their resume was like immediately thrown out, you know, because they don't like fit within that culture. Um, Cause there is a lot of like, I would say um, age discrimination in startups um, and just generally in a lot of tech companies. So maybe just identifying like sectors that aren't focused on that. Um, and maybe that could be something like, I'm saying this without knowing for sure, but I guess in my head, I would think maybe um, the healthcare industry um, could be could be an option. And sometimes um, in retail, there has been more um, hires of 
like people of an older age in like customer service positions. And yeah, so I'm hopeful that your, your friends, Izzy, will, will be able to find like a, a company that values what they're bringing to the table and values that experience. Because yeah, it can be difficult and um, definitely companies are violating some some labor law practices out there. <laughs> yeah. Mm, thank you, Amber. Okay, so totally switching gears here. So Amber throughout the years has definitely shaped the way her holidays look and um, established more boundaries within her family system so that her holidays go more smoothly. And because the holidays are coming up, I felt like there might be someone out there who needs to hear this. So Amber, I'd love for you to kind of talk about how you navigate holidays with sort of a difficult family. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. So, um, yeah, I, I would say I made a pretty major shift in kind of my holiday celebration traditions last year when I kind of in the 11th hour decided that I wasn't going to go and, and visit my family out of state. Um, for, for a few reasons, but with, I guess the overarching, um, feeling is just like being true to like what I was feeling like in my body, kind of like, um, just how I was with my career. Right. Like I just felt really disconnected to that side of my family. And I felt like I was just doing this for the sake of like obligation. And because the calendar said so, you know, and it just like, was really bringing it down, bringing me down. And honestly, it just, it felt like, um, a misuse of my energy, um, that like, I was going to kind of be like betraying my body and my energy and my spirit. If I went through <laughs> the holiday plans that were kind of like decided for me. So, um, I ended up deciding not to go and I went to Disneyland instead <laughs> and that was for Thanksgiving um, last year. And it was like, probably like, yeah, one of the best Thanksgivings I've ever had. Um, I went with um, my boyfriend and he also was doing the, uh, the same thing, I guess, and not choosing not to deal with the stress of difficult family. Cause we um, both have, um, conservative family members that were going to be at the dinner table. And, you know, in the past, we've tried to have like open up conversation with them and, you know, aren't, don't feel like we're being heard out. And I guess it, it can get to the point where it can like deteriorate um, your mental health quite a bit. Um, Cause you can't choose family. Right. Um, but you can choose like your chosen family and, and, and who you want to spend that precious free time with. Um, so we don't have too much of it <laughs> and yeah. So I think we just both came to the decision that, um, well, you know, let's do this for ourselves. Let's choose us. And if we ha get to the point, um, where we feel like we have the energy to see family, we can do it at other points during the year, but at that moment in time, what the calendar said and like what we were feeling on the inside weren't, weren't in sync. Right. So I think that's kind of just the energy I'm trying to move with going forward um, with the holiday season. Same with this season. I went to Disneyland for <laughs> Thanksgiving again. So that was, it's a fun new tradition. 
um, that I look forward to. And um, for Christmas, I'll, I'll, I will spend it with my mom. Cause I think if I am going to do one, observe one of the holidays for Christmas and I prefer to keep it low key. So that's for me. I know um, might be different for a lot of people that maybe like love that family time, feel really energized by it. Or, you know, maybe it's the only time of year they get to see family, but I guess I'm, I'm fortunate that I, I, I can see my mom. Like she lives like an hour and a half away or well, two, two and a half hours. So um, it's not the end all be all if I'm not spending um, those holidays with her. Um, and for the other family, the difficult family, <laughs> uh, um, it doesn't seem, hasn't seemed to have affected them that I'm not spending holidays with them. They don't like really seem to care that much. So that, I mean, I think just goes to show that I made the right decision. Like, it's not like um, they've made any efforts to try to like amend things or put in more effort into like being supportive um, family members. So yeah, I'm just going to keep on keeping on <laughs> with this new tradition. And um, yeah, and it, 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 it's a way to make the holidays like less, um, I don't, dreadful sounds like a very strong word, but I dread them less. I feel like going into the holidays, I would kind of get like a fear of just like impending dread <laughs> um, at all the things I was going to have to do and how tired I was going to be after. Um, kind of like what we talked about earlier, like when you really break down all the things that you do, like what's energizing, what's de-energizing. And for me personally, um, family time at the holidays was like the most, one of the most de-energizing things I could do. So I'm just choosing to direct that energy a little differently now. Yeah. It's inspiring. It really is. I think it just gives people permission and lets people kind of take that deep breath or that deep sigh of relief of like, I don't have to do what the calendar is telling me to do or what my family is telling me to do. I get to make the decision for myself I love what you said about like chosen family, you know, like, who are you going to spend that precious time with? Um, and will it be energizing? So that's yeah. awesome. Thanks. Yeah. I think also it's like when we, it's kind of funny to me that like the holidays are this period of time where it's so like scramble and do this and go here and like meet up with these people, have all these parties. But like, you know, when we were all cave people like this winter time was when we were in caves just hibernating <laughs> and hoping that we had stored enough food away to survive and so it just really does it seem to like biologically even align with like how like we're feeling you know and it's dark so early like just I just want to rest and sleep during you know, the winter solstice. So that that's another thing that I'm trying to do is just um, observe more of maybe like the solstice rather than um, Christmas. Although I will, like I have my Christmas sweater on right now. So I do <laughs> partake in some of the, <laughs> the festivities. Like I still like to get festive. I'm not like totally Scrooge bah humbug, but um, yeah, I think uh, everyone can just make it what they want. And like you said, Izzy, like, just like relieving yourself of like any burden and just like giving yourself the permission to like do what you want to do. And like, yeah, maybe it's going to lead to some uncomfortable conversations with family along the way to like get that permission. But 
we're adults and we can do it. <laughs> There's no more because I said so. And I told you so type things like, no, <laughs> we're grown. Yeah, I was just thinking about like how powerful that could be for someone's inner child who, you know, maybe they also had really negative holiday experiences when they were children and they didn't get to say no, they didn't get to have boundaries because children are just expected to do what their parents, you know, bring them to. And you have to go give all of your family members a hug and you can't say no. And you have to, you know, do all of these different things that kids don't really have the autonomy to, um, or even know how to establish or express those boundaries. So um, yeah, it's empowering as an adult to be able to say, you know, not even with the holidays, but anytime with family members and just say, hey, nope, I'm not gonna accept that. Or, you know, I'm gonna do something different because I want to, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And like, especially like, it can be so harmful sometimes, especially, I mean, you hear it all the time, like, uh, you know, members of the LGBTQIA um, community, like showing up to family events, the holidays uh, with openly, you know, homophobic um, family members. And they just, you know, have had to deal with that over the years. And I'm just like, you know, who, who said we have to keep doing this? Like, got to protect your mental health, protect you, set the boundaries and yeah, find, find whatever's going to feel good for you to celebrate if you want to, um, or not, you know, enjoy the time off. Hopefully if you're able to have it off (laughs) for work. Okay. So Amber, of course, this is the question we ask all of our guests. What would you say is the key to connection? Yes. Such a good question. (laughs) It's always the best question. Um, I would say, I guess I would say two parts and I I have touched on, on these, um, things, um, in talking earlier. And I, I think it goes for all connections, not just connection to work, but connection in relationships and with yourself and yeah, at all aspects would be, that psychological safety and trust. Like, I think they really go hand in hand, like in any relationship. Um, Like if you don't feel psychologically safe telling someone something that maybe is vulnerable or maybe consider risky, um, then how, how can you expect to like foster that connection and, and get closer to them? Um, and feel heard and seen like as your whole person um, and just trust that that safety isn't going to be um, taken advantage of or broken, um, I think are, are both um, really important. So I think you can't have one without the other and they aren't easy. Like they, they take time, I think to build like, they always say that like trust is earned um, and it can also be easily uh, broken. So yeah, I think there are two aspects that take a lot of time to develop and over, like you can have a connection with someone or a relationship with someone for years and this still, you know, maybe you don't feel perfectly safe and trusting of them, but it's something that 
I think like with time and patience will, yeah, just really make the strongest connection that there can be. So that's amazing. I like that. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. We haven't heard one similar to that. Like, you know, a lot of guests kind of have mentioned something similar, but yeah, we haven't gotten into that, like the feeling of safety and trust. And I feel like when you feel safe enough with someone to be able to tell them what's bothering you, it makes for a really healthy connection and it can make stronger connections when you work through conflict like that. And if you don't trust somebody to hold space for you or to be able to have that conversation, then um, like I found myself in situations just not even bothering to have those hard conversations. And then I know that it's our, the connection isn't going to get deeper. It's not going to get stronger. Right. You know? Yeah. And because sometimes the conversation might not go well, like it might be messy. It might be like upsetting, but just knowing like you have that safety and trust in your relationship to voice, you know, what you're feeling, I think is what really matters. Cause yeah, you might not maybe get it right. Um, or not right, but it might not be like perfect, um, when you maybe bring up feelings, um, but just getting to the point where you feel like you can say something, I feel like is really what matters and like a great foundation that you just build on, um, over time and with practice takes a lot of practice (laughs) as, as I'm learning. Thank you, Amber, so much for coming on. It was really interesting. I mean, you can talk about such a variety of topics we could talk to for hours. And yeah, I'm lucky that I get to talk to you for hours whenever I want. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I could go on and on with both of you for more hours. (laughs) It's been so much fun. And thank you for having me on. And um, yeah, I I, I hope that um, for whoever's listening, it was impactful and that people have good takeaways from it. Oh, I'm sure they will. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode of the Key to Connection podcast. You can connect with us on Instagram at the Key to Connection podcast. DM us if you'd like to join in on the conversation or have an idea for our next topic or guest. Tune in on Thursdays for new episodes.